everybody. Welcome back to our little green pasture. Well, God bless you guys. I'm so glad to be here. We're here for another day on this earth. So let's make good of it. That's how I like to look at it. And I learned through experience to use every day to the advantage, uh, to, to my advantage and to the advantage of those that we love in prayer. And I just can't say enough about prayer. And prayer, I want to incorporate what I'm going to speak today about prayer, about having a childlike heart and dependency on God in this present evil age. In the midst of chaos, with a thousand different news reports, with everything going on maybe in your home, with everything living in like the tornado era of our generation. And, you know, I just got to say, I feel the Holy Spirit this morning encouraging me. And I do want to say this, and I'm going to pray. Um, today, Brooke and I were going, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but today, Brooke and I were going to do a, a fellowship time, but she had to let me know that a tornado had just touched down. She lives in the southern, southwest um, part of Louisiana. And a tornado just touched down there and her Wi-Fi is all, when, when they get storms, there's no Wi-Fi. So they've been hearing sirens and she's like, we're hearing them. Everybody get into your basement. She goes, as if we have a basement. So please keep everybody in Southwest Louisiana in your prayers and everybody else that's subject to these awful storms. There was a tornado that touched down in Texas and there's these severe weather warnings. So please remember God gave you prayer. He gave us prayer so that we could go to God and God will honor our prayers because we're praying them in his son's name. And so please remember, Brooke, and everybody in the pathway of these awful storms. Okay? Amen. So let me pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you right now. We just pray for all the people right now in Louisiana and all the people in the path of these severe storms. We ask, Lord God, that you would be a covering unto them, Lord, an indestructible uh, covering, Lord, that you would make up a mighty hedge of protection around every single person in the pathway of these storms, that, Lord, they will feel no evil thing that nothing will happen to their homes, nothing will happen to their loved ones. Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and they are safe. And Lord, I just thank you that, Lord, that you are looking out after your own people. Lord, I think of the people in um, the Israelites in Egypt. They always were protected, no matter what kind of judgments were coming down and no matter how hard the judgments came the people always lived in the light of Goshen. Amen. And now, Lord, I just ask that you go before me, Lord, and that you lead me according to your word and that you would open up in me a fountain and that you would speak through me, that they will hear the sound of your voice in the very common words that I will speak being led by you. So, Jesus... It's all in your hands. I commit this entire thing to you because, you know, I'm letting it go and I'm trusting you because you are always here to speak in our little green pasture. Amen. In Jesus name. So, you know, I was in the word today and 
you know, I call these Heavenland devotions for a reason because I get all my inspiration right from the word every morning. It's a no brainer and it's a pleasant place to be to live at the well. That's where I live and I hope you live there too. So I was reading, um, there's two things I want to bring up. I want to talk about David in brief, and I want to talk, talk about Samuel after that in brief. Both of these were young boys when they were called. Um, I was thinking about when Sam Saul blew it, and uh, you could read all about that. I'm not going to go into all the things that he did to make, to have God finally say, the kingdom is taken from you and given to another, a man, a man whose heart is after um, uh, my own heart. Uh, someone whose heart is after my, I forgot how to say the word right now. <laughs> um, so he goes to Jesse's house and he sees the first son, Eliab. And he says, I, I, he sees him and he says, I believe this is the Lord's anointed. He didn't say, I believe he said, this is the Lord's anointed. And the Lord said, don't look, don't, don't look at his outward appearance. He said, "For the, I don't look at the outward appearance of people, of men. I look at the inward heart. I look at the heart. And, you know, I'm so glad that that's the way it went. Because no matter who, what Samuel was, and we love Samuel, he was looking at it through human eyes. And Eliab was mean. He was actually evil. When we read about Eliab and how he treated David when he went out to bring his brother's food from Jesse and to see how they were doing, <clears throat> Eliab pretty much cursed him. And so I'm just saying we have to be people that don't, we have to stop looking at what things look like. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because see, even Samuel in his righteousness, a righteous man, a prophet of God, a, a beautiful prophet of God, he even in his humanity thought Eliab might be the one but he wasn't. And then I think Saul in his evil way, he thought, well, I'm told I'm going out to war against the Agagites. I know I'm supposed to kill everything, but I'm going to keep the best of the cattle and the sheep. So in his wickedness, in his eyesight, he thought that he would be doing God a favor by keeping back something that he thought was going to be a blessing to God, perhaps. So even in righteousness, in our position and state of being righteous in Christ, we need to look more, read the word more carefully, because even people that were anointed, like Samuel, he was told, mm -mm, he's not the one. And then we know he chose, God chose the eighth son of Jesse, a young boy. From what I understand from historians, he was only 14 years old when he came out of that field. And God said, he's the one. He's the one. And then we go over to David, again, um, uh, to Samuel. And we know Samuel, Hannah, she couldn't get pregnant. God answers her prayer. You know, Eli speaks to her and he said, be it so to you, you know, about the time of this next year, you'll, you'll have a son. And then at three years old and he's weaned, she 
takes him over to the temple and he lives the rest of his life being raised by the high, the high priest, Eli. And so I'm just going to read uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and then I'm going to hop down to 19 through 21. It says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. You know, there was no spiritual leadership. At this point, Eli. I'm going to read a little bit further. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and answered, here am I. So we have the high priest who knows better than to let the lamp go out where the ark was in the holy of holies he was going to bed he's like i'm going to bed and he just let the lamp go out you know it says in leviticus 16 13 i mean that's for the priesthood it says let the fire ever be burning upon the altar let it never go out they were not to ever let the candlestick go out but he let it go out and god was done speaking to the adults at that time he spoke to a child. He spoke to a very young boy. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And, you know, we say, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. You know, I, it was precious in those days because they were given the word, but they, they, the, the, the light went out. There was no open vision. They just, they went about religious duties and there was no light. I mean, physically there was no light in that temple, but spiritually the lamp had gone out in Israel. And I don't see God speaking to anybody. I see God speaking first to Samuel as a little boy. God chose a little boy to be his mouthpiece. And we know the rest of the story, how, you know, Samuel says, uh, he, Eli says, uh, go back and lay down. And, and he lays down and he says, and he hears his voice another time. He runs back. Samuel, Eli says, that wasn't me. Go back and lay down. And he says, um, and Eli perceived that it was the Lord. He said, whatever he's saying to you, listen, just, just listen to him. So, he listened and he heard Samuel, Samuel, and he said, speak, Lord, for thy servant hears, heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called his other times and set time. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. And then he goes on to describe uh, a punishment that he's giving to Eli because of his wicked sons. And he didn't chastise them and they caused the people of Israel to sin. It was just a mess. And it, so he went, when he woke up, he told him all about it. But the last part here, it says in verse 19 through 21, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Notice it didn't say the Lord was with anybody. It said the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. 
And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> you know, when I think about the word being precious in those days and there was no open vision, um, people were so long in that condition, they just went on with the religious system. and. And this boy is called by God and the word of the Lord is revealed to him. Later on, again, we hear that happens to David. And then we see what happens in, um, just keep up with me because I'm going to tie this all together. We see what it says when he goes into the valley, he goes to the valley of Allah where he meets Goliath in the way and the Philistine mocks David, what am I, a dog that you come against me with staves? And the Philistine cursed him. And David replies to him, to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of the hosts of the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Well, we know the end of that story. He did kill him and he cut off his head and he kept his armor. Um, his head and armor. I'm just, I'm not, it's just, it's so crazy because he was 16 at this point, you know, and you have these grown men. I mean, where was Eliab at this point? The one who cursed him and his anger kindled against him and mocking him and, and accusing him of pride and the naughtiness of his, of his heart and coming out just to see for naughtiness. You never hear about Eliab ever again. But you hear about this boy and these boys. And that brings me to this is the word of the Lord. It has to be precious to us because if it is not precious to anybody, it's not, you're not going to ever guard it. You're not going to let anything happen to it. I love how the Lord, how it said that the Lord uh, revealed himself. Um, I shouldn't have. Um how it says, and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And the Lord appeared in Shiloh. The Lord revealed himself by the word of the Lord. You know, I was thinking about the Lord revealing himself and it says he revealed himself in his word, even back then. And right now there's so many ways that people are trying to hear from the Lord. And they're just not hearing from the Lord. And they don't have a prayer life. They don't um, They don't have a prayer life because reading the word and prayer go together. Because when you read his word, God reveals himself in, in, to you. You know, another thing in 1 Kings 10.10, 10, Elijah was, he came to Ahab and he said, look, God's going to do such and such with you. And he was telling him what's going to befall Ahab. And he says, Know now that there shall follow unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. Look, God is going to keep his own word. God is going to keep his own word no matter <clears throat> anything. And, but this child, this child ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And then he becomes the prophet of Israel. And I think about this modern times, like how does that speak unto us in modern times? And I think so many of the things that are modern, 
because we're so modern in our approach to the word that when we go back in time and we read these wonderful stories and they're not just stories, they were real events and they weren't just written for our entertainment or our, our amazement even really, but they were written for our examples to know what God will do, to know that the God of Israel is our God, to know that the God who was his word was precious in those days, yet there was no open vision that the God, the God of Israel, the God of all creation, that he saw that boy's heart being raised by Eli. Eli didn't raise his two sons right. Maybe he was doing something different with this boy. I don't know. But it seems that this little boy had this little childlike heart and wonderment about God and his word because he was ministering unto the Lord, though there was no open vision and the word was precious in those days. And so what about these days? Is the word precious to you? You know, so many people complain that they never hear from God and that their prayers are weak and very poor. But let me say this to you right now. God's word is not poor. God's word is rich. Those are the durable riches of Jesus Christ. And everything else outside of that will never, ever be able to stand up to the precious word of the Lord. And there are things that must become precious to you because whatever is precious to you, those are the very things you guard the most. Isn't that right? Like your children. I don't know. I'm not going to give a list. But whatever is precious to you, you are going to make sure that thing is secure. Those people are secure. And how are you going to do it? We don't have human strength to secure our children. I don't have that. You don't have it either. But Christ has it. You know, I want to talk about who is precious to us by his own word. I'm going to show you who is precious and who, who must be precious to you. And we can see this in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 7. It says, To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. He, the Son is precious to the Father. It says, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. And unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. You can tell who is, when Christ is precious to a person. If a man loves God, the same is known of him. How is, how is that known to the rest, to the people in your house, the people you work with, the people you live among, even your enemies? Because I'll tell you something, your enemies are watching you. And even the enemy of our souls, the devil and his evil spirits, they're watching to see if Jesus is precious to you. Because when Jesus is precious to you, his word becomes precious to you because he is the word. And 
And it says, but unto them that believe. You see, that's the caveat. See, you can say, well, the Lord is precious to me. And I, I, the Lord is precious. But do you believe? You know, there's this, you know, do you accept the Lord? And I've said this to you before. And maybe this might be splitting hairs to you, but I'm going to say it again. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say in any, even of the most ancient manuscripts. Never does it say, do you accept the Lord? Never does Jesus say to anybody, do you believe, do you accept this? He says, do you believe it? Do you believe I am he? See, because that's, that's, that's the, the nail. That's the hammer that hits the nail in this, that, that stake in the ground of your faith. Because unto you, therefore, which believe he's precious, but unto them, which be disobedient, meaning they don't believe. See, there's people that say they believe, they, they, they believe the Lord, really don't believe in the Lord. You know, look. I'm not going to make any like backpedaling statements like, oh, I'm not trying to judge. I'm not. Look, you guys know me well enough by now. There is only one judge and one lawgiver. But there's things that we can see. God has the end result word. But there's the in the meantime that we're looking. And you see who when God is precious to somebody. You can see it because all of a sudden his word becomes precious. And what he tells you to do becomes precious. And everything about the way of the Lord, his way becomes precious. His righteousness becomes precious to you. And, and you start to see what's precious to him. Let me keep going. In 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, 2, 1 through 4, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so it says here that we obtain the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. So by believing, we're made righteous. And it's an ongoing believing. Like those child, those children, David and Samuel, something was happening in their little minds and in their little hearts, in the purity of it. When there was like all the other brothers, these big shot brothers, David's brothers, big shot, at least the three we know about, big warriors, mighty. And here's their little brother, their little 16 year old brother who's trying to, Saul's like, put on my armor. And he's like, and he takes his sword and he's like, yeah, well, I... This doesn't work for me because I haven't proved them. You know what? He said, I took a lion. He said, a lamb was taken by a lion. And I took that lion, that lamb out of his mouth. And I tore with my own hands. He said, the beard of the lion. And the same thing with the bear. I don't need your sword. I don't need your armor. Of course, he was respectful in the way he said it. And he just went out. And he took five smooth stones. And, you know, the stone is representative of the stone Israel. Genesis 49, 25. He's called the stone Israel. And they're re referred to the stone kingdom. The millennial kingdom in Daniel chapter 2. A stone cut out of the mountains, which smote the image on his feet. The thing collapsed. 
the stone kingdom of Jesus. He's the lively stone. He's the disallowed stone. We are the lively stones of the lively stone, the capstone. And unto you who believe, he must be precious, okay? Because if it's he's not precious to you, your life is going to show about that in your faith. What kind of faith do you have if you don't believe him? Because I'm telling you what's coming Anything can happen at any time right now. Right now, everything looks smooth. Everything looks fine. But we know in the backdrop of things that we know that the shoes are going to be dropping here and there. And so when you've obtained the like precious faith with the apostles through righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, you're giving exceeding great and precious promises. They're exceeding great precious promises look at what it says in ephesians three twenty. for he shall do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think according to the power that works within you i believe that the hard things that samuel had to do that david had to do starting from their childhood and maybe this speaks to you that it has worked a work in you that Jesus has become precious to you above everything. Because I'll tell you something right now. When I was younger, I'd be like, oh, wouldn't that be nice to have live in a big house like that? Oh, I wish I can have all that. Or I wish I can do that. I wish I can travel. Now, I've never been a worldly person. But when I was younger, I had the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life because of my stupid youth. The dumbness of youth. Come on, really. There is dumbness. But the youth can't help it. We're all there. But now... He's more precious to me than anything. In 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. And, and one last thing, it says that you will be a, made partakers of the divine nature. So you're believing him means you're always spending time with him. You're always listening to the word because his word is unto you as precious. He's revealing himself in his word. And though God will never let any one of his words drop to the ground, you become in a sense a co-laborer with christ but under under him as the chief shepherd and you guard that word you, you you defend that word just like david defended it with a lion and a bear it's like unto you he that believe he's precious so let me keep going in first peter 1 18 through 19 it says for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, meaning that's an old English word for from your, your life of vanity, received by tradition from your fathers. Look, I was born in a house. This is how we do things, right? Because we did all come from a vain life, unless you were fully born in a really beautiful Christian home. But anyways, it says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The precious blood of the lamb. You know, another thing that is precious to us is his word. And we know that in the parables of the sower, where it says a sower went goeth forth to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and some into rocky soil, some into... Um, thorns and so on and some into good soil so Jesus says later he said um, the seed is the word of God the field is the world so but it says he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed 
shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, that seed is precious to us, you know, and we don't just throw it around like we used to. We start to get sharper about it. I've noticed that in my older age where I would try to share Christ with people that had that were pretty much clear that they didn't want to hear nothing about Jesus. Like they just were hardened. Um, but I thought, oh, I got to say something about the Lord. I, I, I feel compelled and my heart would be racing and I would feel this like conviction. I thought it was conviction. I know now it was the enemy driving me like if you're a Christian. You need to say something. And then what happens? Exactly what Jesus said. He said, be careful that you do not cast your pearls before the swine or cast what is holy unto dogs. And his word is holy. And I've been trampled. I've been having people yelling at me. I've had people scream at me and all kinds of things, even in my own house. And, uh, but now, see, I wait. I wait. And if Jesus wants me to say something to somebody that he knows I'm going to get yelled at, I mean, I'll take it. But I'm never going to apologize. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the power of salvation unto all them that what? That believe. Right? So it says that he goes forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds. You know why? Because this world is hard to live in as a believer. And, but yet God is saying that your tears water those seeds and those seeds will grow. And that means in prayer. And I want to talk about prayer at the end of this. In Psalm 139, it says, how precious are they thoughts? How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? If I would number them, they would be more than the sand of the seashore. When I awake, thou art still with me. And David says in Psalm 119, 72, he says, the law of thy mouth is more precious unto me than thousands of gold and silver. And, you know, I think there's a couple that I want to show here. What is precious to the Lord? What is precious to the Lord? I know there's a lot of things precious to the Lord, but I look these, I mean, as I go, because I make little lists, but it says, he shall receive their, redeem their soul from deceit and violence and precious shall their blood be in his sight. Look, he's talking about people that give up their life for him. This is Psalm 72, 14. You know, when somebody says, you know, if, if I perish, I perish and they are, they're killed for Christ. If they are martyred, they're martyred, but God gives them power to do it. And their blood is precious in his sight because the life is in the blood. And in Psalm 116, 15, it says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So there are things precious to the Lord. And you are precious to the Lord and your life is precious and all you, your children are precious. And, you know, but I want to talk about prayer and I want to talk about how, um, having Christ and being, having his word. See, God's not going to ever let any one of his words fail. See, God keeps his word. And, but you have to pray. And have you ever, I was thinking the other day about these kind of prayers that we do that are weak. They feel weak, right? And you maybe wake up in the middle of the night and you say, oh Lord, I pray for so-and-so because it comes into your mind, somebody that needs prayer. And then you go away feeling like that was just flat. 
like I prayed to God, but there was no feeling in it. And I said, I'd pray for that person, but you want to know what, if you pray, I, I thought to myself, if you pray in the name of the Lord, it's precious to him because anything you pray in his name, even the weakest sounding prayer in his name, God receives it. So don't be fooled because I'll tell you something. A time is coming where his word is going to stand. I remember Jesus looking at the word. I don't have it in front of me, but it says God was saying to some, he was talking to the Israelites. He goes, he said, we're going to see whose word stands theirs or mine. And by the way, mine will stand. You see, God's word cannot fail you. And so unto you who believe he's precious and it's not how you sound when you go to the Lord. It's not a bunch of words. It's like you need to go to the Lord with the heart of like Samuel and David. David was out back with the sheep and he probably had a little book of the Torah, the law, and he's reading it. And that's all he had back then. He didn't know who Jesus was. He had no idea that the Messiah would come from his lineage. He had no idea. But you know what? He believed. He would never have been able to do all the things he did had he not read those words in the five books of Moses. He, you know what he was reading in the five books of Moses? All the powerful things you read. He was reading those same words. Do you realize that? All the words that you're reading about the plagues of Egypt and and all the many, like the Red Sea and the Jordan parting. Look, I mean, he was reading about how they went through the ground of the Red Sea and it was dry ground and their feet didn't get wet. We don't think their feet got wet unless maybe there was some spray on it, but they went through dry ground. But there came a time where they had to have faith in God, where their feet had to get wet and they had to walk through the Jordan. The priests had to go forward. But you see, it's about faith, faith in God. It's because he's precious to you. And look, there's a lot of people, maybe you might say, but Joni, I barely know the Lord. It's not about knowing a bunch of scriptures and being able to, you know, beat your chest and say, well, I know where that's written. It's like, if he's precious to you, then think about the people who are in heaven today. That Because heaven is filled up with trillions of people. And are filling up with people. But the people that went through the, you know, first century church, medieval ages, dark ages, all through the ages, they didn't know how to read. They didn't know anything, but they knew how to pray. And that's something else I want to say. Isn't it interesting? We all talk about people in the past. Oh, they were so powerful. Yeah, they were powerful. Oh, boy, boy, they really knew how to talk to the Lord. They really saw things different. You know why they saw things different? Because... Any little bit they got from the Lord became precious to them. In fact, his life became more precious than theirs. And I believe that if you're going to really be a Christian and you're really going to be a believer, then you have to give everything over to Jesus Christ and don't hold anything back from him. Because when you decide to give yourself completely over to Jesus Christ, that means everything you have. I'm not talking about selling everything you own and giving to the poor. I'm talking about you offload everything and you go, Lord, everything. Like David said, who am I and who are all these people 
that we should give so generously unto you when everything we have we have you've already given unto us see we god wants us to be in the world but not of the world and look what's coming right now i know i can't talk about it here on youtube there's so many things i want to say brooke and i are going to start saying it on bit but i'm just saying i'm sorry that i can't you know me better than that you know that i can peel off some stuff pretty well okay uh so when i say you know what i mean you know what i mean but look god brought us to this end and he's going to work to the end and he's going to appear unto us i'm not talking with these eyes but in our spirit because when he is precious to you you will be able to say by his spirit not just the words anybody can say the words you can say a thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand at our right hand but it shall not come nigh us only with our eyes shall we behold and see the destruction of the wicked be you know and then we can go on i have that memorized i mean i can i could say that and it's not just words it's because they've been proved da david he didn't want saul's armor it didn't fit him it didn't work he said he didn't want his sword it didn't work but it said later on after he killed goliath and took off his head they said he took his armor into his own tent and later on when he was running from saul he went to Abimelech, Ahimelech, the high priest during those days, as he made like he was there on an errand. And Ahimelech said, why are you here alone? He said, uh, well, I'm on an errand uh, for the king. And it's anyways, he said, uh, do you have a sword? And he says, yes, I have one. I have Goliath's sword. It's wrapped up in a cloth behind the altar. And David said, give it to me there is none like it look how he chose that big sword look at the heart of that guy right he wanted the big sword he was like yeah well you can take your armor yeah it doesn't i haven't proved to them but you know what he took goliath's sword and he took his armor as a trophy of conquest look you have to have another worldly view and so as you spend more time with him, I'm going to encourage you to get alone with him, spend time in his word, listen to his word if you can't read it, listen to him speak to you. God will speak to you if in your heart, just like those little children, they, they were believing. There came a point where David was called by Samuel. There was a day. I mean, there was a day when Samuel was called by God alone. After that, God called David through Samuel. You see how God keeps flowing and anything that is precious to you from God is going to be precious. You know, there's one last thing I wanted to say about what's precious because God, Jacob prayed a prayer over Joseph and it was a double. He, he prayed twice, you know, like he got a double like he had a double land grant but it says end of joseph he said chapter 33 starting at 13 and this has to do with them during the millennial reign okay but listen to how many things he says is precious 
And of Joseph, he said, blessed be the Lord of the Lord, be his land for the precious things of heaven, for the dew and for the deep that coucheth beneath and for the precious fruits brought forth by the sun and for the precious things put forth by the moon and for the chief things of the ancient mountains and for the precious things of the lasting hills and for the precious things of the earth and the fullness thereof. It goes on. See, God has something precious coming. And, but unto you who believe he is precious. And when he becomes precious, then everything that comes from God becomes precious. And I and to use the word natural with spiritual. I don't know any other way to say it, but there's like a natural spiritual uh, undertaking of his word. And you keep it because God keeps it. And so, you know, when you pray to God and you pray whatever you pray and you pray it in his name, God will not deny you. God will hear it because it's in his son's name. So don't feel like you're in poverty. Like, you know, I mean, yesterday I was talking to somebody who said that they went to a wedding and um, everybody in that wedding uh, were unsaved and the people getting married were not saved and the people that were getting married of course not being saved they did not want a religious wedding they didn't want Jesus's name to be mentioned and it was up in the San Francisco area so you know what kind of wedding that was and and I thought well okay but as it is written, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And just to remember about his name, his name, Jesus says, Father, I thank you for that name that you have given me for you have protected them by that name. And his name is wonderful. It is glorious and it is powerful and Satan fears it. And so whatever you pray, Satan can't touch it as long as you pray it in Jesus's name, because now it becomes eternal in the heavens, in the presence of the almighty God. And he will answer your prayers. Start preparing yourself in prayer, because I'll tell you something right now, everything that David read in those early years, it prepared him to be a true believer and a man after God's own heart. And when you're after the heart of God, it's because you've become a partaker of his divine nature, being made by the precious blood of the lamb through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Lord, because a day will come. There may be a time when the power goes out, but you know what? People were going, what are we going to do if we can't contact each other? I say, oh, well, do you know how to pray? And don't trivialize prayer. Satan's terrified of prayer. Let me say something. As I was getting ready to do this message, all of a sudden something happened. It's not a horrible thing, not a bad thing, but it was just enough to knock me off right before I was doing this because I wanted to tell you to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Because you see, Jesus says in John chapter 6, there's at least five times where Jesus says that you will pray unto the Father and he will answer you. And that 
uh, he will be glorified in another place that I his son will be glorified. I will be glorified in him and the father will be glorified. So you see, there's all kinds of glorying when you go to God and you say, I pray, Lord, and you ask him because look, a time is coming where you're going to have to ask him. We don't have any food. We don't have, we don't know what we're going to do. Jesus knows what to do. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof in the world that and them that dwell therein. See, that was his word. So he's going to keep it for his own namesake and for his honor's sake. Is he precious to you? If he's precious to you, then his word is precious to you for he is the word. And that he will give you dreams and visions and he will speak to you. Maybe not dreams and visions, but I'll tell you something. You want to hear his voice? Open your Bible and read it. Okay, stop looking to get a word from every hokey pokey uh, YouTube person out there that's saying, I got a word, I got a word, I got a word, I got a word. Jesus told me, Jesus told me, Jesus told me. I know there's legit people that hear from the Lord and I know who they, a few of them are. Okay, but there's a million of them out there. And by the time people get done listening to them, there's they're part of this religious microwave, uh, fast food drive up. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me but they will never open their Bibles to see for themselves. And so they're like corks tossed about by the wind and they become unbelieving and they become doubting and they don't receive any good thing. So open your Bible and commit yourself to it. And whatever it says in the Bible, whatever it says, do it with some exception. There's things that are written. This Bible there, not everything is written to us and not everything is written for us, but there are things that are written to us and there are things that are written for us. So be careful. I want to be clear, but whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Okay. Because you know what? When you start to show high obedience to Jesus Christ, he'll begin to reveal himself more and more and more to you. And the crooked places will become straight and the low places will become high and you will drink of the brook in the way, just like him. God bless you. Live at the well.